Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Aaron Summers. In today's episode, we are checking in with former NFL coach Mike Westhoff, who is known for revolutionizing special teams. Westhoff handled the Saints special teams from 2017 to 18, including the last season when they advanced to the NFC Championship game. Both seasons, the Saints had one of the top units in the country. He also was the one who discovered Taysom Hill as a special teams weapon. Westhoff just recently released a book titled Figure It Out, My 32-Year Journey While Revolutionizing Pro Football's Special Teams, which he wrote with Barry Wilner, who I also spoke with. Later in the episode, a conversation with ESPN Monday Night Football's new broadcasting duo, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, on the Saints' upcoming season. Let's kick it off with Mike Westhoff and Barry Wilner. Mike, or I should say Coach Westhoff, it's great to have you on the New Orleans Saints podcast. Thank you for joining me. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. No, I'm happy to do it. I'm happy. I uh, I miss the Saints. That was one of my favorite times in my career. I, I have uh, nothing but great memories. Well, I love to hear that as we obviously have great memories of you here as a coach and what you're able to do with our organization. We're talking to you today because you just wrote a book about your life and your career as a special teams coach, but what got you into football to start? Uh, it was, um, I grew up in a city of Pittsburgh in a row house with, uh, I, I was the oldest of six children. Uh, no one ever went to college in my family history. And my only way to get to school, because we didn't have the, the money to do it, um, was to get a scholarship. So I, I wasn't really good enough at anything else. Uh, so I thought football might be an answer for me. So I worked hard at it, and I, and I did get a football scholarship. And that was and I and I loved playing. I, we had a very good high school football team I was involved in. We were undefeated, arguably the number one ranking in the state of Pennsylvania. I went to the University of Wyoming uh, and then transferred, but. It was just a, a fun way, something I really enjoyed and, uh, and a means to an end. But for me, it, it, was, it was something that I, I, was, I wasn't great at. You know, I, I, I went to a little workout with the Dallas Cowboys. My NFL career lasted three and a half minutes, uh, maybe four, uh, after they timed me. <laughs> and then I, I got into coaching. I got my master's degree at Indiana University and um, got into coaching, and, and I very much enjoyed it. And then that led, that led my way to the rest of my career. Everybody knows you as a great special teams coach, somebody who revolutionized that side of the game. What was it that drew you to special teams? <laughs> you should get a job in the media. You're pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. I worked five years, you know, I, I, did, what, I did what you're doing for a long time. No, it's a good question. Um, totally by accident. Aaron, by accident. I, I was with the... Uh, and we were the Baltimore Colts at the time in 1982. Frank Cush, uh, you know, gave me the job. That's you got to read the book for that. But that's an incredible but true story of how that happened. And uh, so here I am. I'm the strength coach, which I didn't want to be, but I was. I coached tight ends. I helped at the offensive line, which I was an offensive line coach. I was Frank's assistant head coach. And believe it or not, I made a lot of our travel arrangements. Now they've got 37 people to do those jobs. And I didn't do any of them very well. I really didn't. So, you know, our first year, there was a strike. The NFL had a strike after the first two games. And I'm jogging in Towson, Maryland. And Frank Cush came along and said, Mike, come on, I want to walk with me. Well, I'm walking with him. He's talking. He said, I'm going to fire our special teams coach when the season starts. He said, he's terrible. 
that he can't do it. And I said, Frank, you know, he's trying to help the secondary. That's a lot of work. I said, let, let me do it. I'll, I'll take it over. And he went, he looked at me like I was nuts, which I probably <laughs> was. And I said, well, I'll try it. So I said, okay. And so the good thing for me was that we were on strike. So I had a method that I could sort of figure it out. I got his notebook, which should have come with crayons, by the way, now that I look back. That was the worst I ever saw. And so I started from scratch. But one thing that I learned pretty quickly is that there really was no coordinator uh, of a special team. And it was all just a little part of it. You know, it was all split up, mm -hmm. which is kind of the direction it's headed back to now because the kicking game is so diminished. Anyway, um, I learned two things. One, there was very little innovation, very little. Nobody was very, everybody was kind of the same thing. But also, there was zero regulation. You can try anything. So I just started trying things. You know, and, I, and I came up with a philosophy. of I wanted to treat my everything like offense and defense. So I wanted my coverage. If I was going to cover, I, I looked at defense, and I said, well, I want to blitz. I want to be a blitz guy. So I went into our defensive coordinator, Bud Carson, who's one of the brightest defensive coaches in NFL history, and he's the guy that went to Pittsburgh Steelers. And Bud was a genius. I said, take me through the perimeters of a blitz. He drew it up. Create a sideline, get the extra guy, stack people behind, da 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 And I designed my coverage after that. That's how I did it. So I did more than anyone ever did. But now I had to draw it all the time. Because on every single one, you'd be doing something different. You're in a different spot. So, you know, I've, I've got uh, Aaron Summers here. Okay, now she's the number one. She's the safety. But over here, i got to move her here. here, here, here. Uh -huh. And so then on offense, I said, well, I'm an offensive line coach. I want to make this like a power off tackle play. So I, we double teamed, we trapped, which nobody ever did. And which is Roger Goodell reminded me, the reason we changed all the rules is called all the stuff that you did. So you guys were killing people. He said, so I had to change them all. Um, and, and that's how it came about. So it came out of nowhere. I knew nothing about it. Here I'm thrust into the job, but I figured it out. I figured it out. Yeah, and you started getting hired to do just that. You end up yes. working for three Super Bowl coaches. You get your first start as a special team coach only at Miami under. Right. Now, I also coached. I also coached tight ends back then. See, we only had. Aaron, remember in those days in the mid nineteen eighties, we only had seven or eight guys on our staff. Mm -hmm. You know, now they've got twenty eight. You know, so it was small. We all had to do a little something extra. So I, I, our offensive line coach had some health issues, and I, I took that over a number of times. And then I coached the tight ends, but I was a special teams coach. And then when Jimmy Johnson took over in the mid-'90s, then that's all I did. And I stayed with that the rest of my career. And at one point in your career, you were able to come here to the Saints. Yes. Yeah. I had been out for five years. I retired from the Jets in 2012. I was doing a Sunday morning radio show for ESPN out of New York. And I, and the Jets television was SNY sports, New York. Mm -hmm. And I did their post game and their pregame television show. So I would travel to New York every week in the fall. And I did that for five years. And then out of nowhere in the middle of the 2017 season, I'm in my favorite restaurant in New York, Helios on the Upper East Side, second Avenue, it's the best restaurant in the city. And, uh, Anyway, I'm having Tom Selleck is there every, every Saturday night. Anyway, I used to always talk to him. And, and anyway, I get this phone call from the Saints. 
you know, Mike, we want you to come. I said, no, no, thanks. I'm not interested. <laughs> I, the only name I even knew, I knew two names. I knew Sean Payton, although I never met him. And, of course, I knew who Drew Brees. I never met him. I said, no, I'm not. What am I going to do there? I don't know anybody. Well, Monday, Sean Payton called me and started talking and said that he thought he had a really good team, but that he was, you know, he was just discouraged with their special teams. And, and then we talked about it, and I said, Coach, you know, if I come – I'm going to change everything you do. I don't know what you're doing now, but it's not what I'm going to do. <laughs> and, you know, I, I said, so the next thing you know, I talked to Mickey, who I think is maybe the, I don't know, if there's a better administrator in sport, I'd like to know who it is because I never met him. I think he's, uh, yeah, he's outstanding. I mean, he's smart. He works at everything. Uh, and so all of a sudden here I'm packing a bag and I'm headed to New Orleans. I don't know anybody. I don't know a player. And, you know, and I'm going to coach that day. And at first, I was freaking terrible. <laughs> we were, I, I thought, what, you should just go home. God, the first two games, you know, I was trying, but the players were, they just weren't in the right spot. And so, uh, you know, we opened up at, uh, against, against Washington, and we beat them in overtime. And Drew Brees was tremendous. Me, I should have just been, I should have stayed home. I, I was, I felt terrible. We won, you know, I'm smiling, but I feel, oh, Mike, you stink. <laughs> I said, what the heck did they hire you for? And so uh, then we played the Rams out at LA. The Rams were good. And, and they, they beat, our whole team got beat that day. After the game, I went out in the stadium, which I did a lot. And I sat down and I called my son. My, my son, uh, is 41 years old now, and he, he lives in Washington, D.C. He's an attorney. He played football at St. Thomas Aquinas, the best football school in history. And then he went to the University of Pennsylvania as an Ivy League, and he played there and won two Ivy League championships. He's got all the rings. I don't have any. He's got three of them. And uh, and I said, and I was talking to him, and he said, Dad, when did you start kicking the ball in the middle of the field? He said, when you kicked it right, you covered. He said, and you had it. He said, your return guy can't catch. Then he said, you had a great punt block, but your guys can't run. He said, Dad, you look like the teams you used to beat. He said, the Rams look like your old teams. He said, how do you say? He said, Dad, don't get discouraged. Make them play your way. The light went on, and I changed everything. I changed how we practiced. I redrew everything they were doing. I got on a plane. All I did was draw a kickoff coverage. I must have drawn a thousand times. So I had the right guys in the right spot. And so then I knew, and then uh, I'll be real quick. And then fortunately for me, that next week, I'm walking through the locker room and here this guy's coming out of a shower with a towel wrapped around him. And he looks like Hercules and his Taysom Hill. I went, who's this guy? So he's a quarterback. He never dresses. I said, well, not so fast. <laughs> next thing you know, I grabbed a hold of him. I went up to see Sean. He told me all about Taysom. I said, look, I've had a lot of luck with quarterbacks. He said, well, give him a try. Go ahead. Sean's, Sean's extremely innovative. Now, he'll, he, he's a worker. He's a very, very good coach. So next thing you know, I have Taysom in my office. and I said, I'll make this really short. I said, you, you can play for me. If you'll hit anybody, I don't know that. I'm going to find out. I said, or you can stand on the sideline and sweats. Which one do you want to do? He said, let me try. Next thing you know, now we went from a team that was pretty much non-plausible to a one that, 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 that the rest of the year 
only had one negative play, and that's because I made a stupid call the entire year, and we turned it on. We went from rank 31st to rank 1st, and I'm very proud of that. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about Taysom Hill because I knew it was you who got him started on special teams when you said you saw him, but how did he kind of figure out that role and and learn how to hit and get into being a special teams player? I I basically put him in a spot where he wouldn't have to really worry about anything. It was just going to meet his skills. On a kickoff, what I used to do, Everybody had a number, you know, you number them from, you know, one, two, three, four, five. Well, the ones, every, every one was a certain position. The twos were certain. It didn't matter where I lined you up. That was your role and that was your assignment. Now, when you're the opponent, you try to figure that out. That's a little tough. Well, I put him at a spot where all he'd have to do is run down the field. No lane, no contain. Don't worry about anything. Just go. No matter where I put you, just go. And so, you know, I knew he could do that. Then I would have him rush the punter. And he's so fast and he's so strong that he'd have, and I put him in against our first punt team in practice. The very first play, he smacks my best wing right in the face. Pow! (laughs) This guy's pretty tough, but he can hit. You know, he's so strong. Uh And and the the roles fit him perfectly. And then all of a sudden, and then he got into it, and he learned it. He's so bright, you know, and he works hard. He experienced some fun. So, like I, I, I talked about in the book, um, it was a Thursday night before we were going to play Carolina. And I had my guys together and I, I rewatched the practice film and I stopped. I said, okay, okay. Now, now this outfit, this place is going to see what a real, I won't use the language. You got to read the book for that. I said, going to see what a real special teams outfit looks like. Look out now because we'll smack Carolina right in the face. So they, we, we win the toss. We defer. We kick off. Now, Thomas McGahee was their coach. And he's a good friend of mine. He's with the New York Giants right now. So we interviewed him, and now he tells the story. That's what I love in the book. Mm-hmm. We did all these interviews. I mean, I wrote every word, but we interviewed these people, and then they then we used how they described it. And he said, I'm standing on the sideline. And I look out there, and they got this number seven. Who's number seven? Who is it? He said, a quarterback. He said, what the heck is Mike doing? Quarterback. He said, you kick off. Your quarterback runs right down the field, right through my two best blockers, and kills us on the 15-yard line. He said, I went, uh, I won't, again, I won't swear. He said, what am I in for today? And then when Taysom went off the field, you would have thought we just won the Super Bowl. The sideline exploded. And from that point, I never lost another play. I never lost a play. And that, that game, at the end of the game, He's going to rush their punter. Their punter can't punt the ball. He punts it straight up in the air. We get it. Now you give the ball to Drew Brees. We win the game. I love it. And these are the kind of stories that we have to read the book for. You have to read the book. Why that's did you Why exactly did you want to write a book? Oh, you know, when I was, uh, I'm smarter than I act. <laughs> and I don't swear as much as people think I do. <laughs> I, I have my master's degree in psychology, and I always loved it, and I thought that I did it pretty well. I, you know, sometimes we don't get uh, everything in life that we think we should. I think I would have been a good head coach. I, I, two opportunities passed me by. Uh, I was very disappointed, especially in one, because the guy that got the job, he couldn't coach. He, he couldn't coach a peewee league, um, and it was disappointing for me. But And I always wanted to talk about it because I saw – 
this side of a game that you just don't hear much about. This is not this is not the hundred and sixty million dollar quarterback. You know, this is a kid out of nowhere that nobody knew about. You know, Sean Payton took a chance on, on Taysom because he saw some things that he might like, but he never dressed. You know, he, he never dressed. Mm-hmm. I remember watching, I was out there before a practice one year, when my first year, and uh, the Mike Nolan, the linebacker coach, had his guys out early, and they were working on some underneath pass coverage, and they had Taysom Hill running pass routes against them. Sean Payne came out and said, hey, Mike, what are you doing? I said, I'm just sitting here watching this. I said, you see that guy right there? I said, in two years, he'll make you everybody in this division. Forget about McCafferty. I said, there's the best, there's the best multi-talented player in this division right there. He looked at me and said, ah, Mike, he kind of laughed. And I said, yeah, I know. I don't know anything. You'll see. <laughs> I used to tease, I used to tease Lombardi all the time because he always kidded me. You know, mm-hmm. Joe, he, he can't help himself. You know, he, he, he likes to think he's funny. He's really not, but. He used to kid me all the time about my guy. You know, hey, how's your guy doing? I said, my guy will make you a coordinator someday. Guess what? Yeah. yeah. He did. <laughs> he did. <laughs> so, so, you know, I always wanted to talk about those kind of guys. Mm-hmm. I have a whole history of them. How did I find them? You have to read it. I, Woody Hayes gave me a piece of advice I never forgot. He told me, he said, don't ever let a number make your mind up as to who's a football player. Ever. He said, whether it's good, bad, don't let a number. I go to Texas Tech. I'm the only coach. I was there were scouts, but I'm the only coach that went to work out Zach Thomas. The day I was there, he was 5'10 and a half, and he weighed 223 pounds. He'll go in the Hall of Fame. I didn't let a number. Mm-hmm. So I thought it would be a good thing to write about, a good story. And then in the middle of it all, you know, I had some crazy health issues that I had to deal with, and uh, and I just kept going. And and so I think people that have to do that will relate to it. Mm-hmm. I didn't do anything different than what people all over the country are doing. You know, yeah, I had bone cancer. Here, I'm really healthy. I'm 40 years old. I don't drink or I don't smoke. I drink a little, but not crazy. And I have bone cancer. How did this happen? Mm-hmm. You know, they got to cut half my leg. So I've had 10 surgeries longer than, than, than eight hours each. Nobody's, I, my entire left leg's metal, everything. I'm going to shark fishing today. I'm only trying to catch them over six feet. I don't kill them. We let them go. We let them go. But I'm going to catch them. We're really good. My friend coming used to coach at Jacksonville. He's coming in today and I'll take him out the next two days. So I learned how to live a normal life and get these kind of guys and be in a position. I was fortunate to, uh, I was fortunate, Aaron, that I was in the right place at the right time. If I came along today, I couldn't have had that career. I couldn't have done it because the rules are so different. They're just different. The kicking game has gone from a lot of plays to just a small handful. You know, it's just so different. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I went to the combine a few weeks ago and talked to special teams coaches and said, if, if you don't get on top of this, you're, you're not going to have a job because an owner is going to walk in and say to the head coach, why am I paying this guy a million dollars when he coaches eight plays? I said, you better get an answer. Because when this, when this coordinator job started, I started it. I know everybody thinks I'm arrogant, but I probably am. But um, <laughs> but it's true. It's just, you did. You started it. I think I kind of did. Yeah. But I was fortunate. 
you know, I, I didn't look for it. It just happened. Mm -hmm. And then, and I just wanted to talk about those kind of guys and how we made a difference in games that we would help and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and it's something I always wanted to do. I think if you read the prologue of the book, you'll get a view of the NFL that no one's ever had. And I, and I'm going to, I, I, and I'm so proud and I, and I, it's exactly the truth. I have enjoyed talking to you so much and I look forward to reading the book. I know it's not quite available yet. To... No, it actually is. It is. I'll tell you how to get it. I'm gonna, if okay. you don't mind my interrupting. Okay. It'll come out everywhere in July. Okay. You know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, but right now through the publisher, and the publisher is very simple mascot, like a team's mascot, M-A-S-C-O-T, mascot books. You go in there and you just put in the title, figure it out. And they'll deliver it to your house. They'll deliver it to your house for the next couple of days. All right, perfect. Well, that's what I'm going to do. Easy. It's, it's easy to get. It's easy to get. And it's fun. I yeah. Mean, I, it's just, I'm proud of it. I love the interviews. I mean, you're going to hear, you're going to hear Sean Payton, you're uh -huh. going to hear Taser Hill talk about what they did. And to me, that's what gives it something so different. And uh, I'm really proud of it. I think it's a cool story. I should, but it's a neat story. Yeah. You know, I did a lot of stuff on the media. You know, I worked with Anita Marks in New York. And I had a ball with her and she was interviewed. She talked about the stuff we did. And it's just, I don't know. It, it gives football a different way. Mm -hmm. These are really good people that operate at the opposite end of the media scope, mm -hmm. but they make a difference. Absolutely. They make a difference in your team. And everywhere I went, we're in the playoffs. And since I left Miami and the Jets, they, they can't even find the playoffs. So <laughs> too bad. It's all you. Uh, it's not all me, but I had a little part. I had a little part. Yes, I did. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. I can't wait to read the book. I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. Maybe right before it comes out in July, we'll do this again. I, I, I would really appreciate that. Yeah, sounds good. Barry, thank you for joining me on the New Orleans Saints podcast. I really appreciate it. Enjoyed spending some time talking to Mike Westhoff. And I know you got to spend a lot more time with him working on this book. What did you enjoy about that process? I think mostly, Aaron, this, this storytelling and the way that Mike can weave stories and the fact that he's got so many um, stories to tell about people within the NFL, outside the NFL. He has stories involving Bob Knight. Uh, involving um, Bear Bryant, uh, and then just the challenges that Mike has faced through his um, career and especially his health, uh, having uh, beaten cancer three times, and the way he, uh, he, he beat that challenge, the way Mike doesn't back down from anything. Uh, and then the one other thing, and I'm sure you talked to him about this, is the shark fishing. That just so fascinates me. He did tell me that he was going shark fishing today, actually, <laughs> so it did come up. When you were talking to him about some of these various stories, is there anything that really stood out to you or surprised you about Mike? Uh, well, some of the things that stood out had to be uh, his frankness and honesty and the fact that even though he never became a head coach and he never uh, got to a Super Bowl, and, and as every Saints fan knows, he basically got robbed of getting to a Super Bowl by an officiating mistake. Um, Mike never um, would say that he had a career that wasn't fulfilling. Um, I think he enjoyed just about every moment of it. 
I think he really enjoyed the challenges of putting together special teams. Remember when Mike came to the NFL, he had never coached special teams. And to think after his career was done, he's generally considered the greatest special teams coach ever. Uh, that really stood out to me. How much time did it take to go through all of these stories and put this book together? Well, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, it took us two years. Mm. Uh, we began talking about it in late September uh, of 2019. And then we began work on it in early 2020. Uh, the manuscript was done before we actually sold the book. And then we tweaked the manuscript a bit. Uh, we updated it a little bit. Uh, the easiest part of it was actually the writing. Uh, the main part that was a challenge was long distance interviews, not only with Mike, but with the many players and coaches and people who have been a part of his life. And, and that took um, a bit of time as well. Had the pandemic not hit, I think we would have had this book out at least a year ago, Aaron. Who were some of your favorite people that you interviewed? Almost every of them, every one of them. But I covered the Jets for part of Mike's career um, back in the early 2000s when I was doing both league and Jets before I moved on to just covering the league as a whole. And one of my favorite all-time players was Leon Washington, the kick returner. And interviewing him, uh, because I had interviewed him so many times when he was with the Jets, that was very rewarding and enjoyable. Uh, I think the interviews with some of Mike's former assistant coaches who could really give me some insight into uh, the way Mike operated. Um, although you get a lot of that directly from Mike. Uh, that was also uh, tremendous fun. And um, one of Mike's assistant coaches um, who went to the military academy at West Point, which I actually lived near, and I had interviewed for a book about the Army-Navy rivalry. Um, he, uh, his name is Ben Kotwika. And he's been a special teams coach for probably about two decades now. Um, the things that he would tell me about Mike that fit so well with his military background was really fascinating. And it added a little extra layer to the book. I think it's going to be a really great read. I'm looking forward to it. I appreciate the time. Got to give us a little insight into the behind the scenes aspect of it. What is next for you? Well, I mean, I have my Associated Press duties running the NFL coverage, and um, my favorite assignment every year is the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, I vote on the, on the uh, inductees, and this year, Sam Mills, a former mm -hmm. Saint, will be going in, and I'm thrilled that he finally got in. I've been a supporter of his for many years, so I'm really looking forward to that in August, Aaron. We are too. I know we're going to have a lot of coverage of that event as we're excited for Sam Mills his family to be able to yeah. live that event for him. Absolutely. And it's a great event. Thank you so much for spending some time talking to me today. You bet, Erin. And thanks for reaching out. That book is Figure It Out, My 32-Year Journey While Revolutionizing Pro Football Special Teams and is available through the publisher on mascotbooks.com. Now, let's check in with broadcasters Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Troy, two quick questions. Troy, speaking about the Saints, Troy, you've got them against the Bucks, uh, Week 13 uh, in uh, Tampa. Uh, Troy, last time they were in Tampa, they won 9 nothing. Uh, they seem to have the Bucks number. Uh, what's going on with that rivalry, Troy? And uh, is New Orleans a serious threat to win the NFC South? 
well, Ira, I hope that they score more than nine points in our game. Um, I hope it's not one of those nine nothing barn burners. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, they're they're like a lot of teams right now. That uh, the Saints, obviously, with Jameis Winston now coming back. I'm I'm hearing today that uh, since I'm here at ESPN, all over ESPN about Drew Brees, is he going to come back and play, and what might that look like, and who knows, but. I, I know this. I know they lost a hell of an offensive mind when Sean Payton retired. Uh, so how does that impact them offensively? You know, I think this team is going to look and feel a little different. Uh, I thought that was the case last year with without Breeze. And now you take the guy like Sean Payton, who has such a presence within that organization, and when we call those games, it's going to be different as well. We have great respect for Dennis Allen. Uh, he deserves the opportunity. Having been a head coach before, uh, I think that will serve him well. Uh, they've, you know, there are teams that just match up for, you know, whatever reasons they match up well against a, another team, and that seems to be the case with with the Saints when they play Tampa Bay. I mean, you look at it. I think on paper at times you'd say, well, Tampa Bay is probably the better team, but. New Orleans just matches up well against them. They've got confidence against them. They play well. Uh, so how that conference or how that division shakes out, I mean, it's anybody's guess. But those games are, are great games, and I don't expect this season to be any different. And, Troy, some, some great players uh, have made great analysts, uh, and some have been less successful at it. What's the biggest hurdle you had to overcome in, in that regard, making the transition, Troy, and how do you think – Brady will handle that well um there's a there's a lot I mean there's a lot to try to unpack with that question I, I won't try to do it completely I, I know that knowing football is important but it's not at the top of the list uh as to why someone is good at broadcasting or not good at broadcasting I, I think uh having an understanding of television helps having an understanding of timing and what's happening in the game and what the game requires, uh, it, it helps. And it also helps if you're working alongside a Hall of Famer, you know, and like my career in football, if you're surrounded by good people, you have a chance to have success. In broadcasting, if you're surrounded by good people, talented people, you have a chance to have success. I think there have been people who have come into this uh, profession and haven't been surrounded by the best people and have struggled. And if they had gotten opportunities uh, with others, maybe they, their careers would have looked a lot different. As for Tom, uh, I have nothing but respect for Tom. Um, Tom has won at everything he's done in life, and there's no reason to think that he won't win at this as well. And the reason I believe that he's going to be good is because he's gonna work. You know, he's a guy, as we know, he's the reason why he's been playing as long as he has. There's a reason why He's won seven Super Bowls, and it's because he doesn't take any shortcuts, and he's not going to in broadcasting. And I think that uh, that blueprint uh, is one that not everyone follows, but I think he'll be great. Thanks, Troy. Okay, we're going to wrap it up with Erin Summers down in New Orleans. Erin, go ahead. Thank you. Uh, I know Troy kind of touched on it, but Joe, maybe the first time that you'll see the Saints is that Monday Night Football game week nine against the Ravens. What are you looking forward to about that matchup and about the Saints team under Dennis Allen with some of the recent signings that they've had? 
Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, you know, they just added Landry. Uh, Tyron Matthews now down there. So they've got two big pieces that they've added here recently. Uh, it, it's still, I mean, I hate to be simplistic about this, but I think it's going to come down to how Jameis Winston plays. So how good they are, you know, assuming that Drew Brees uh, was kidding. I think Dennis Allen said that today. He's assuming that that, uh, that I may want to come back and play tweet or whatever it came on uh, was, was kind of said in jest. Uh, but it wouldn't break any of our hearts to see Drew Brees come back and be great. Uh, everybody will latch on to that. But it comes down to Jameis Winston, and, and I think Jameis – learned a lot under Drew Brees um, and learned a lot with Sean Payton and will take a lot of that stuff forward with him. So they've got an offensive line. They've got a dynamic running back. Everybody forgets that Michael Thomas is, is still a phenomenal player. If he gets back to anything like he was uh, before the injuries just crept up and derailed him, and now you add Jarvis Landry and the defense is good and well coached with Dennis Allen, who's now the head coach, I mean, the more you talk about it, and I say it out loud, you realize they've got a lot of pieces in New Orleans to be good, uh, provided Jameis Winston is uh, is a plus. And, you know, he doesn't have to carry the team. Uh, they've got a running back that can help shoulder a lot of that load. But I, I expect them to be competitive. I expect them to maybe surprise. And like Troy said, there's nobody we love talking to any more than Sean Payton. Uh, and now he's going to be talking to all of us on TV. Uh, but they, they're in a good position, and, and a lot's going to be on Jameis, but I think he can handle it. I think he's grown up a lot. Thanks for listening into the New Orleans Saints podcast today. OTAs are upon us, so check in on NewOrleansSaints.com for all of the action over the next month. And, as always, tune into the podcast on Apple iTunes or our website, NewOrleansSaints.com. Have a great rest of the week. <laughs>